Welcome to the Harmony Church Podcast. For more information on service times, any upcoming events, or joining a life group, please check out our website, harmonychurch.nz. We really hope this week's podcast blesses you. I'd like to start with something funny. I heard about this, this wait, Sam. I heard about this, by the way, Sam is preaching tonight. Sam, the man right here, is preaching tonight at 5.15. Just let you know. He's awesome. He's been to Bible college and he knows it all. Here we go. I heard about this minister who bought a new horse. And he trained it to respond to praise the Lord, meaning to get going, and hallelujah, to stop. Every time he said praise the Lord, the horse would just go off running. And when he said hallelujah, the horse would quickly stop. One day he was out riding and the horse got spooked and he bolted away straight towards a cliff. Running full speed. In his panic, he couldn't remember what he trained the horse to say. He said, oh, what did I say again? Bless God. Hallelujah. Glory. What is it again? I was like, hallelujah. I was running there. At the last second, he shouted, hallelujah. And the thing come to a shrieking stop, that horse, right on the edge of the cliff. And he breathed a sigh of relief. He said, praise the Lord. <laughs> and he goes, Yes, sir. Welcome our online audience too. God bless you as you share with us. Last week, I spoke about it's all about Jesus. For those of you who are here, all about Jesus and all about Jesus was on the back of the flyer. By the way, I met somebody this morning who came to church because of the flyer. Nobody invited him. Well, we did, but we put it in a letterbox. He got a letterbox. And he says, I just came. Loved it in the church this morning. So guys, it's really good that we've been doing this stuff. And uh, praise the Lord for people who are coming. And I talked all about Jesus. And I said that Christianity is not some religion. It's not some, some religion of do's and don'ts. Some kind of a behavioral kind of improvement program. But it is one thing. That Jesus wants to give us his life. Now, church has made all kinds of stuff. You've got to run, jump through hoops and run this and do this and be become this and all this kind of stuff. That's not Christianity. You don't have to change before you come to God, right? right. He will change you. But the whole thing is come to God. He'll give you a new hard drive of love. And then you start changing from the inside out. So God, the gospel is that he wants to give us his life. Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. He is the life. He's the only life. He's the way, the way forward, the way to go in our lives. And so we were always meant to be connected. Every person was meant to be connected to God, to have God come and live inside of them. I love this in John 10.10. 10, we, saw, we saw this last week. The thief, which is related here to the devil, has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, kill, slaughter, and destroy your life. But I, Jesus says, I've come to give you everything. Look at this. In abundance. More than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. Now my question would be to you, what are you expecting? If he says he'll do more than you expect, my question then to you and me is, what am I expecting? Well, I'll be honest with you, I expect quite a lot in my life already. What are you expecting? But he wants to do more than you expect. He's always way ahead of, before you. Anyways, all ahead of you anyway. We're kind of catching up, isn't it? Or the things that he wants to do in our lives. Life in its fullness until you overflow. Wow, he wants to give us life in its fullness. 
not just enough for me, not just one little cup. He wants to overflow my cup so I can spill over into other people's lives. Watch this clip. <laughs> Come on, it's overflowing. The dog is overflowing. The water. That's what God is doing. Hey, I'm putting water into you. I want you to overflow in your life. Cup overflows. I love this in Corinthians 9 8. Look at this. 2 Corinthians. God is more, everybody say more. more. A few times here it says more, than ready to overwhelm you. That's good. With every form of grace, awesome, so that you will have more, say it again, more, more than enough of everything. This is Bible, guys, not me, Bible. More enough of everything, every moment and every way. He will make you overflow, everybody say overflow. Overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. You got to do something. He wants to overflow you in every good thing you do. Now, I love the everything in the scripture. It is actually from the classic Greek, and Aristotle also used this uh, term. Uh, the Greek is of everything is otarkia, otarkia. And it's found in the, in the classical Greek, as I said. It's meant, it means independently wealthy, needing nothing. So God will have you more than enough being independently wealthy, Sufficient, needing nothing. That's what the Holy Spirit does to you when he comes into your life. That's how he empowers you. That's how grace empowers your life. See, God is always a God of abundance. Uh, uh, can you please be part of this thing? I know it's 11 o'clock. It's not too bad now. You've had your coffee. Can you speak back to me and say, if you like this, say, yes, Jesus, preach it, whatever. Say something nice to me, because then I feel like you're with me, and um, it's all good. So, more than enough. God is not stingy. We are stingy, generally, and it comes out of an orphan spirit, right? If we really know sons and daughters of God, we wouldn't be stingy, because we'd be exactly like God. But God is teaching us to move out of stinginess into abundance, into generosity, into the things that God has for us, because that's what he's like. Thank you so much. Look at the miracles of Jesus. Look at the miracle. The first miracle he does, the wedding at Canaan. He comes in, you know, he says, his mother said, the, the, the wine has run out. He says, can, can you make some, you know, do a miracle? And I don't even know what his mother, I mean, anyway, she knows what the savior of the world, but I don't think he, she even knows what he could do, right? I mean, he's never done anything, right? I think. He was not practicing at home, as far as I know, you know, turning water into wine. Like, hey, mom, look at this. I did this stuff. <laughs> and this is, hey, you know, I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe she did. I have no idea. But anyway, but, but he says, hey, it's not my time yet. It's not my time yet. I'm, I'm not going to do miracles yet. And, and, and mom says, yeah, but they need a miracle. So okay. They listen to mom. He's a good boy, you know. And so he does a miracle, puts water into wine. And the wine is better than the wine I've had before, right? And normally at the end of the wedding, it's bad wine because they're kind of a little tipsy, right? I mean, I've never drunk, so I don't even know anything. I've never drunk, drinking, so I've never been drunk, so it's fine. Uh, but the thing is, though, they say that at the end you don't know much about whatever, and so then it doesn't matter what kind of wine quality. That's what they say, right? So leave the worst wine at the end. Nobody knows, right? Start with the good one, end of the... Here's the opposite around, the best wine, because God always does the best, right? He's generous. He brings all this wine, and of course, I'm sure there was a whole bunch left over. Once he was going down the... Um, 
down the beach, and there were fishermen. And Peter says, we've caught nothing the whole, uh, the whole day. He says, well, throw your net on the other side. So they put the net on the other side. And here we go. This net is so full of fish that other boats got to go to him. They got this massive cast. The boat are sinking. Jesus, you are way over the top. Right? Yeah. He's just abundant. It's just what he's like. Right. One time he had to feed 5,000 people. Men, sorry, including wives and children. 20,000 people? I have no idea. Around that, 15, 20, 25,000 people. He's got five loaves, two fishies. So we've got to start distributing. The miracle happens. They all get fed. And what's left over is not just enough. No, because he lives in the overflow, right? He lives in abundance. So what does he do? He's got 12 baskets of bread left over. So you're ready for lunch. Keep going, you know. Well, this was lunch, dinner. The thing is, he lives in abundance. We need to know that we live in abundance. God wants, because love is actually thinking abundance. I, I, my, my kids, um, like if Fabian asked me to play ball with him, basketball with him outside, so sometimes he asked me, can you make a video of my new, uh, new dunk? So he goes there and he goes like, Whoa, boom, in slow motion, you know, like, just try to be Michael Jordan, you know, or whoever. And so it's all good. And he, he does it. It's amazing. So he, but then I would normally go away, but no, 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 I stay with him. I stay with him a bit longer. I stay with half an hour, maybe even an hour, because I want to I want to be with him. I want to spend time with him. I don't want to just stop because I'm generous. I love this guy. I love my son. I love my kids. When I ask for money, I always give more than I ask for. I know, it's terrible. They're so spoiled. It's terrible. But I, I just love doing that. When they ask for $10, I give them 15 Because I just, I'm just not like I am. I just love being generous. And hopefully they've grown up knowing that my father is generous. He looks like his heavenly father. I would love that. My father was very generous in his life. Way too generous. But I love it. I love it. I hope that you are generous in your life to the people around you. Because God will provide for you. And I tell you, when you learn to... To, to work in overflowing and generosity, it's amazing what comes to you and what comes through you. <laughs> he can trust you. <laughs> and all the stuff starts flowing. Say, Where's it coming from? Oh, it's just flowing, you know. It's wonderful. It's actually not my message today, but it's, I'm just, this is my preamble of the message that I want to talk to you about today. Here's the goal. God is able to make all grace every favor. Everybody say favor. favor. Come into your life. Every earthly blessing. This is the Bible again. It's not me. Come in abundance to you that in every, you may always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything. Remember that word everything? Self-sufficiency. Being complete self-sufficient in Him. It's not in you. In Him. In the flow. Being completely self-sufficient, having abundance for what? Here we go. That's a goal. Not just to bless you, just to bless you. He wants to bless you and flow through you because he wants to do what? Good works, act of charity. Love. He wants to bless you to bless other people. He is after other people through you. He wants you to reach out to other people, to love other people, to give to other people, to bless, to, to just encourage other people. That's what God has called you and I to do. And it's absolutely beautiful. Go the second mile. That's what Jesus did. We just hold all the miracles. What about the other cheek? Here, here. What about this one? Yeah. One mile, I'll go too. There's always an abundance. There's always a flow of generosity. That this goes smack in the face of stinginess, which our world is full of. Not here, of course, in this church, but just generally. Now, his life, he gives us his life, right? I just want to tell this about last week and I'm basically flowing into this week because God wants us to live in the overflow. But this is my message today, that Jesus changed everything. Yeah. 
And I'm talking about the flow right now, but he changed everything. See, at the cross, everything changed. And that's what I thought I'd talk about today, just for a few moments. God changed everything, Jesus changed everything at the cross. How? He cut a new covenant for us. He cut a new covenant for us. You have to understand in the Bible, I'm kind of in a series right now, the four weeks on looking at new covenant, new, rea- new creation realities, um, grace, because we're going to grace and glory. So I did something last week uh, on Jesus, all about Jesus, today this one, and then next week I'm going to talk about whatever, and then the following week about something else. And then, uh, and then we are at grace and glory. But it's all about grace, identity, new covenant. So just bear with me as we go on this journey together. But you have to know that the way God relates to humanity is through covenants. They're actually blood covenants. All the covenants are cut in blood. So why has it got to be bloody? The reason why we in the Western world don't understand it, in the Eastern world, most things, most contracts and those kind of things between nations in particular, big things, were always cut in blood. This is how God works. I'll teach about it sometime, but not right now. But I'm just saying, just believe me that it happens this way. There are seven covenants in the Bible, three main covenants. They are related to three dudes in the Bible. The first one is Abraham. It's the Abrahamic covenant. It's a grace covenant. The second one is a uh, law covenant. It's, a, it's, it's because of Moses. It's called the Mosaic or the Sinai covenant. It's a law-based covenant. And the third covenant is the main covenant it was for us to, is the new covenant. Covenant in Jesus Christ. Three guys who represents different covenants. Now, if you are not a Jew, you are a Gentile. Right? So most of us in this room are Gentiles. Right? Few, few Jews. In this, so if you are a Gentile, it's a non-Jew, right? You get that, right? I know I'm going really basic, but I want you to catch what I'm talking about here because it's very, very important. Now, if you are a Gentile, then none of the covenants were cut with you. Not one, not even the new. He said, well, didn't, uh, isn't that, how does that work for me in my covenant then? All covenants were cut with the Jewish people of Israel. All of them. Now, the only good thing is, the last one, the new covenant, we have been brought in. The Bible talks about being grafted in. And the, way, the reason why we are grafted in is because they see Israel and the Jewish people as an olive tree. And then we as a wild olive tree, it talks about Romans 11, 12, you can read it yourself, are grafted into that other covenant, the new covenant. But you have to understand that we had no covenant. But we've been brought into their covenant. You can imagine why the people of God and the Jews, how, how it had been so persecuted around the globe, still today, so strong. Because they're the original people of God, and we can also now be part of it. And we're kind of lucky, aren't we? We're kind of blessed. It's through grace, nothing we can do. They were the people of God. We had nothing. We were pagans, filthy animals. Serious. That's what happens in the sea. Serious. That's how we've seen swines. But then we are brought into covenant, and now in Christ we are one. No Jew, no Greek. We're brought into one thing. Now, why is this so important? Why is this so important? Actually, I'm going to go a little further. I'm going to actually first read it to you, uh, how we have celebrated this, because we're going to have celebrated a communion today. So here's the new covenant. As we celebrate this with communion, the whole thing, understanding the new covenant. For I received from the Lord, 1 Corinthians, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Now, he was with his disciples right there in the upper room, right? There's no Gentiles. Just, you know, no Jews. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take it. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Everybody say new covenant. It's a new covenant in his blood. Do this as often as you drink it. I do it every day. What is your often? In remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The cup that we drink here this morning is the cup of a new covenant. It's a new covenant in his blood. We celebrate his death because when he died, he shed his blood. Then the covenant started, right? This is so important. You know why? Because you have to understand you you were never invited to any other covenant than the new. You will never invite it to the old covenant, Sinai. Not even Abrahamic. But Abraham was grace and through, received through the New Testament that it goes way back to Abraham. You get the blessings of Abraham. But we kind of skipped Sinai. Sinai is like the bump in the road. It's not really God's intentions, I believe. But it happens. Anyway, so we're invited to the other. And I'll tell you why it's important. Because when you interpret the Bible, some of you interns will know this soon. Interpret the Bible is so important that at the cross, everything changed. See, Jesus changed everything. At the cross, things changed. And in particularly, not everything changed, because everything changed, particularly in, in, in the area of identity, new creation, reality, um, forgiveness, all this area. I'll tell you in a minute why. That Not everything changed. But the thing is that we have to start reading the Bible through the cross. So if there's some things in the, in the back here, that uh, you think, how is this possible? You scratch your head and say, how is this possible? Because here, it's different. It's because there's a different covenant. I'll tell you something else. This will rock your boat. Most of the, because you say New Testament, news, most of the Gospels are covenant. Until Jesus dies. Well, it happens at the end of the Gospels, isn't it? He, he lives, no, 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 dies. Then, New Covenant starts. That's why sometimes when he speaks to his disciples... And we think that we are his disciples. He speaks to us. Yes and no. Yes, because we can learn from that. No, that not everything he talks to the disciples about or says to them to do is necessary for us because it's still before the covenant. They were not born again. They did not have the Holy Spirit inside of them. He breathed on them at the end. You know, received the Holy Spirit. I don't know exactly what happened there. But, I, but he says, it can't be inside yet because he has to die for the sin of the world. You're still sinful. It's not possible. So he here is not. A very good example is Psalms. I still hear Christians say sometimes, you have sinned, you know something bad, whatever. Lord, 51, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Forgive me. The thing is, though, you can't say that in the new covenant. Because that's the old covenant. In the old covenant, the Holy Spirit would come and the Holy Spirit would go. It depends on how you behave. See, the whole thing of the Sinai, the earlier covenant here, which is the Mosaic covenant, is a law covenant. has to do with law. has to do with doing good. If you get good... You get good. You do bad, you get bad. Do good, you get blessed. Do bad, you get cursed. But that does not happen here. So I still see people freaking out on this side of the cross. Christians, you're never, not even invited to this covenant. But anyway, you read the Bible and say, bummer. What do I do here? And it doesn't work. Because you have to know that you're invited to a new covenant here. And it's totally new totally new in your life and and the reason why I say this is because here you start receiving the promises and the principles of God that he has for now 
Now, not everything is new because some things are in the old because Jesus is concealed in the old, revealed in the new, which means that it's here. everything points to Jesus, even the Old Testament, everything. The life of God, we can learn, read the Bible, all good. But make sure, though, particularly in the area of righteousness and sonship, that it doesn't work in the old. Anyway, some things are from the old carry into the new, but got to go through the cross, right? Yeah. So when you talk about worship, for example, there's not much in the New Testament about worship. Little one time sing songs, spiritual songs, or something. but nothing about worship and the whole Davidic, you know, David and the whole 24 hour, all this kind of stuff. It's only old. But that goes through the new. It's fine. It goes through the cross, sorry, and into the new. Things like tithing, people say, oh, it's only before the cross. No, tithing is before Abraham, that's before the, the, the law. It's in the, in the law, it's after the law, it's in Revelation, it's everywhere. So it goes through the cross. Whatever goes through the cross is right, but you gotta make sure that you interpret correctly. I'll tell you why. Because otherwise you start to live a mixture. And you start being confused. I was confused for many, many years. And what happens then, you basically dilute your relationship with God, your expectation, the way you are, because you kind of are double. I'm writing this book, but I haven't even started yet, but in my mind it's already started. Um, it's called Double Dutch. <laughs> Serious. I talked to the guys about it. In America, it's, oh, double Dutch is more like this trampoline thing. This, this, this double Dutch is these, you know what double Dutch is in America? Skipping things, right? And the guy, the, the publisher says, Gideon, I don't think it's going to work, double Dutch in America. I said, okay, well, we can change the name for America. It's fine. Anyway, so um, but the thing is, though, double Dutch. The reason why I want, I want people to help, and this is my own mind, my own journey, about just being schizophrenic about Christianity. Am I a sinner or saint? What am I? Am I in the law or in grace? Which one am I? And because I had often this double thing, it kind of just takes me out because then I freak out. I still live with condemnation, still live with guilt, still live with all this kind of stuff. And I never really start, start really moving into what God has for me right here in the new covenant. Because everything has changed. And that's why I'm saying it. You have to learn. Now this book coming out with Chad goes to Grace and Glory. He'll speak about it two weeks' time. Grace, Chad will be here. He'll speak about the new book. Catherine just read the whole transcript of the book. And it's not going to be released yet, later this year, but people talk about it. It's so important, people, how you read the Bible, but also how, who you are now as a Christian, as a newborn again, on fire, Holy Ghost-filled person. It makes a massive, I'm so glad you guys all agree with this. It's so amazing. <clears throat> See, the flow of the Holy Spirit is so different in the old than it's in the new. I'll tell you why. It's because it's the flow of the Holy Spirit on the inside, which we did not have here. The Holy Spirit would come on people, and often you've got to be chosen. Again, you've got to be good. You've got to strive. You've got to work for it. All this kind of stuff. New Testament, Jesus goes to the cross 2,000 years ago. He carries the sin of the world upon himself. He takes sin forever to a cross. And then the Hebrews talks about that we've been saved and we've been cleansed once for all. No longer the old animals. The animals could never take sin away. It was only covered sin here. But here in the New Testament, Jesus sacrificed. He is the son of God, for goodness sake. He didn't do it for nothing. There's a reason why he did it. He took the sin of the world forever. Once for all means once for all. He's not going to do it again. Right? For all creation. And that's why, like I said last week, that's why it's so important that our mission and our, our theology is that we say to people, you, Jesus already gave you salvation. He already forgave you. I'm going to put a sign up here, you know, at the, on the Morehouse F, you know. You are forgiven. 
People have no idea. But it's not universalism because you've got to still invite him. You've got to say yes. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So you've got to believe. That's the only thing you've got to do. The only thing Jesus could not die for. One sin. You know what it is? Thank you so much. People have learned in this church. Can't be in this church long for not believing. He couldn't die for your unbelief. Only thing he can die for. He died for everything else. Because he needs your faith to say yes, Jesus, and just receive it. And by the way, did you know that even faith is a gift from God? <laughs> There's nothing you can do. The only thing you can do is to receive. I tell you, a lot of people in the world have no clue about this. They think they've got to jump through hoops, hoops and do all kinds of stuff to be a Christian. Stop this, stop that, can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. It's not about this. That'll be later. What about just receiving his life? Boom. Like defibrillators, you know, suddenly you are a new creation. So here we come. Jesus goes to the cross 2,000 years ago, takes the sin of the world upon himself, dies. Yes, the sin is gone. Penalty is gone, never to appear again. Then he raises to life on the third day. Then 50 days later, what happens? That's right. Thank you. Pentecost. Pentecost. Now the Holy Spirit can come inside. Why? Because Jesus gave his life. He doesn't count sin anymore against people. That's why he can come inside. So he comes here and is... Born again, new creation. Now the Holy Spirit starts flowing from your puku. It's a new world. It's a new world. New word I learned this week. Puku, from your tummy. I often talk about. It. I know I talk about it often, but you just gotta because this is so important. Because everything is in your puku. Serious. When you uh, when you when your mother has you, everything goes through that umbilical cord. All the feeding, everything you ever need is through the feed. That's all you have. You're inside. That's the only thing is the umbilical cord. That's your natural one. Here in the New Testament, you get a spiritual one. Jesus says in Luke 4, living water says, you draw this water? So I'll give you living water. It will come from your tummy. Tummy. Puku. Yes, puku. From your tummy. Living water. See, when you're born again, your spirit fused with his spirit, and you get a new spirit from him, and you get, an, you get the life of God to live inside of you. And that is the magic and the mystery of the Christian faith. And that's the river starts to flow. And everything is in that river. That's why I love seeing that river. Oh, the river, river, river. It's important because the river, honestly, it's all you have. It's all you have. The river flowing. No more conditional. This is all conditional here. Unconditional here. I want you to see, and that's the main thing I'm saying today, is that in the old, you're never invited to the old, I'm just saying, in the old, Everything was towards the cross, if you like. It's your life. It's always about going after God's love, going after his favor, because you never know what's going to happen or not. Going after forgiveness, because you never cleansed anyway, because the animals can't even take things away. Just, they just cover it. Going after whatever, all the stuff. In the new, it's totally different. Now everything has been given to you behind your puku. Now the river of God is there, and in that river is the healing, is the favor of God, is the love of God, is the forgiveness of God, is salvation. Everything is in there. You've been given it as a gift. That's why Christians are so happy. Because we don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. You haven't worked for it. You just receive it. What a gift. I mean, I'm still amazed by the gift that God has given us in our lives. Can you come play, Grace? Can you play a little bit? A little piano here. I'm getting too excited about this. Everything changed at the cross. 
Serious. Everything changed at the cross. It's so important. And the more you see that, the more in love you fall with Jesus. Because he's so blimmin' awesome that he's given this to us free of charge. The only thing we do is say yes. And that's why I said everything in the Christian life is received. Every spiritual blessing in Christ, it says here, every spiritual blessing in Christ, Ephesians 1. Look at this. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already, everybody say already. That is past tense. I didn't do very well in English. Well, I was not at school anyway. With English. I had English. I had Dutch. I'm, English and Dutch were terrible for me. I was good at German, French, Dutch, English, geography, but not English. And, 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 um. and it says here, already means already. It means past tense. It's done. I'm trying to say it's done, right? Has been, been, it's also done. Past tense, been. Behind me. Lavished upon you as a love gift. Everybody say love gift. A love gift is a love gift. Look, look to our wonderful Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All because He sees us wrapped in Christ. See, everything is about Jesus. We're all wrapped in Jesus. From Him, life flows in every way, every direction. We are hidden in Christ. You don't even live anymore. You died if you're a Christian here. And you're now in Christ. All these blessings have been given to you. So now life flows, your life, not some outside thing. It was never you anyway. But just some people still think that. It's all from here. And we flow into the love of God. We flow into the stuff. Now a few things and I'm done. A few things here, just an example. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is a gift. He's forgiven us once for all. Right? In the past, you work for it and you don't even forgive him because you don't cover it, you know. Animals. Christ once for all. Sing in the world. You're done. You're forgiven. Christians are forgiven people. You will never be more forgiven as you are today. Even when you sin. Is this a license to sin? Obviously not. Because he's working in you. The river is flowing, right? He'll flow. Wash all the stuff out of your life. All the stuff out of your life. What it does give you is confidence before him. That I am a forgiven person. I am a son of the living God. Jesus gave his life for me. What an insult to Christ. To even say otherwise. You are a forgiven person. What about the love of God? Here in the Old Testament, they asked him one time, Jesus, they asked him a question. They asked him a question. The disciples asked him, what is the greatest command in the Old Testament? In the law, sorry, in the law. Here, right? It's not us, remember? But he asked the disciples. They were under the law. Jesus was the new. Disciples were under the law. And he says, he says love God, love God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. It sounds amazing. And it is amazing. But the thing is, though, how on earth do you love God? With all your mind, soul, and strength. So here these guys are working. Well, you got to love for about five hours a day. Pray. or how, how do you love God? You know? you got to work for it. You know, try fine. That's why you see even now Jewish people, when they have in the old covenant, when they're Jew, in Judaism, everything is like, everything is, everything is because everything is God. And, and you got to still perform this thing. you got to go after it. Great intention. Not our covenant, their covenant, which is great for them. I mean, they can work on it. I don't think it's great for them. Anyway, that thing, you know. But the thing is, though, here, what does it say here? We love because he first loved us. Now the love has been poured out into your puku. So in your spirit, so his love comes, and now you can love out of that. It's not performance anymore, but now we flow in the river. What about healing? Jesus healed you 2,000 years ago. You want a scripture for that? scripture do you of course you do 1 Peter 2 24 
He himself bore our sins in his own body. We're going to celebrate this in a minute on the tree. Having died to sin, that we might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Now again, I'm not good at English, but were is past tense. You were healed. So what do we do now then with that? We receive his healing. We don't strive for it. We just flow with it. Yeah, what about some people don't get healed? Well, that's sad sometimes and we don't understand. I just know that we've got to make sure that our experience don't become less than what God has provided for us in His, in His Word. For example, I know people did not get healed because they didn't forgive other people. We've been forgiven, but there's absolute forgiveness between people, big thing. I know people had health. I know people could not be healed. And the moment they forgave, boom, they got healed. Something about this relationship thing. There's reasons why, and sometimes we don't understand. But let's not go down. Our experience go down to what the Word of God says. We have been healed. We can expect this. The power of God has been given to us. The same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. It's behind your puku. It's right there. That's why we live from this place. And that's why it's so important. I'll tell you why it's so important. We don't want the confusion in the mixture because it will dilute your reality as a son of God. It will dilute your, your confidence in Him, your boldness in Him. He wants us to change the world. But if you start being filled, filled with guilt and condemnation and you feel bad about yourself or whatever, you're never going to be a failure ever again. Yeah, but I feel myself. No, you don't. You may feel that. God will never fail you ever again. You're His Son. See how happy you are. You are so, so good. You will always be good enough. Yeah, but I don't feel good enough. Doesn't matter. He has made you good enough. And because of that, our identity changes and we feel good enough. But it doesn't happen if you don't know about this or you don't receive this revelation of sonship. I'm going to leave it there because it's so important. And as we start celebrating communion, I, I really feel and I really want you to, to receive what the Holy Spirit has for us. Maybe there's one thing you need in your life. Maybe you need a provision or a, a, a healing or a relationship, whatever healing. Just, just be aware of the Holy Spirit. Be aware it's not your prayers of five hours that will do the trick. It's when we become aware of Him. And we let the river flow. And Lord, Lord, we just receive this from you right now in Jesus' name. And we celebrate the blood, the cup, giving us a new covenant. As you know, I do this every morning. This morning twice already in the first service and before that at home. Every morning I have communion. It says as often as you do it. Well, I don't know how often it's often for you, but often for me is at least once a day. It's very often. Father, I thank you for this amazing gospel that we have. Father, I pray that today we have a greater revelation of this gospel in our lives and we will go out into the world from here, into our workplace, into our schools, wherever we are. And Lord, we will tell people, we will shout it for the rooftops. It is so beautiful what you've given to us. Make us ambassadors, make us witnesses for you in Jesus' name. And as we take communion right now, Father, I pray for healing to come, for revelation to come into our lives in Jesus' name. We all said, amen. Just stay seated where you are. We're going to serve you here this morning. Just receive communion as if Jesus gives you communion. And think about what I've said this morning and receive this by faith into your life. In Jesus' name.